Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Andrew Farley, who's an author and pastor, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondick, and thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. We've been doing this for years now, and so thank you if you've been tuning in for the since since day one or the you know first first few episodes we did. Um, I know it's been a journey and have come a long way, and so thanks for your continued support. Uh, if you're just tuning in or haven't not done so yet, if you can leave us a rating. Uh, wherever you're you're tuning into this podcast, or also if you want to s- sign up for our newsletter at theguyslikeus.com, uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter. We'd love to to stay in touch. Any questions you have, any guests you'd like to be featured, we'd love to hear from you. Well, today I'm talking with Andrew Farley, who's an author, pastor. We talk about his faith background, has uh, a degree, a doctorate degree in linguistics, and uh, has wrote a lot about uh, about faith, about the journey uh, that he's he's been on, but also really understanding grace uh, and coming to a, a more full understanding of grace. And so um, we talk about the, our identity in Christ, um, combating legalism, and then we discuss uh, a bit more on some Bible questions. We all have questions of the Bible, and he addresses 101 of them in his book, 101 Bible Questions. And um, we look at the importance of wrestling with our faith, asking questions, um, and looking to understand more about what God's Word says and how we can understand the totality of God's Word as well. And so pray that this uh, conversation is uh, impactful, uh, sparks curiosity, and is edifying. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with Andrew. Andrew, thanks for joining me in the Guys Like Us podcast here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Certainly. And so, um, you know, you've you've written numerous books and would love to, to get into, touch a little bit on the books and your latest book as well. But um, was, you know, look, looking more into your background and, and reading a bit more and know you have some, uh, some education in philosophy and uh, linguistics. And so would love to just hear a little bit more about your faith background growing up. Were you raised in a Christian household, and you know it sounds like you were wrestling with some pretty uh, some pretty weighty uh, philosophical matters as well, and so would love to to hear how that all kind of has played out in part of your your faith formation. Yeah, yeah. So first, the Doctor of Philosophy degree is just a PhD, and uh, they call it that. But I don't have a background in philosophy. I'm I'm uh, I have a PhD in linguistics, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I also uh, have been a pastor for uh, almost uh, two decades now and uh, write books and have a radio mm-hmm. program uh, that airs every night on Sirius XM and uh, pot, a few podcasts uh, that we do and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were believers. I became a believer about eight years old. Uh, so I uh, lived almost my entire life as a believer. And uh, you're right, I had some some crash and burn experiences uh, when I was a teenager. 
Uh, by the time I was 19 years old, I had already preached my first sermon. I was doing street witnessing and evangelizing in, in halfway houses, jails, prisons, on the streets of Greece and Italy. I was uh, trying to get God to like me more. And, uh, you know, I, I really crashed and burned at that point and had to hit the reset button and look for healing. And that's really when I began to understand God's grace a lot better, mm. uh, not just for salvation, but for day, daily living and mm -hmm. um, really understanding his love and his grace and his forgiveness and not um, not having so much of that spiritual stress uh, that I once had in trying to get on his good side, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah, no, that's great. And that actually segues into something I was going to touch on. So I'm, you know, obviously a little bit younger than you are. And, um, but we were just having a conversation with some, some gentlemen the other day in their sixties and seventies. And they say, you know, they're, I think the boomer generation was a lot of finger wagging and there was a lot of, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. Um, and certainly, you know, that played out in the church in, uh, a lot of legalism. Um, certainly we see that today as well. And from my understanding, you, you kind of responded to that and have really tried to understand the grace of God. And just as you mentioned, and um, not only his free gift of, you know, the grace he extends to us, but on a daily basis as well, and how we can yeah. constantly uh, desire to perform, desire to seek approval of God in the things that we do, just as you were mentioning. Um and so would love just to, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you've been a pastor for the last two decades. You just recently wrote a book on grace, and I know it's interwoven without everything you do. And so just would love to hear a bit more of, you yeah. know, two, two decades back, your understanding of grace and now how you've seen it kind of change, uh, maybe yeah. evolve or devolve in some ways, too, in the last two decades. Yeah, so I would say the issues are still there, the legalism is still present in the church today. It's just morphing. I mean, every decade it's a little different. Um, you know, I think still we've got uh, people measuring their quiet times and uh, they're living for accountability groups and they're, uh, you know, they're talking about how much time have you been spending with God uh, and our union with Christ is almost lost in all of that. Uh, you know, what they're really saying is, would you please read the Bible? We want you to read the Bible. And it would be great if they were more direct about it, but it, it almost insinuates that the only time you're spending time with God is when you're seated for 20 minutes reading a, a book at four o'clock in the morning or whatever. And uh, the truth of our union with Christ is so much better than that, that we're with him and he's in us and we're in him 24 seven without interruption. And wherever you go, everything you do uh, can be an expression of him. Uh, and so I just think there's a deeper truth of the gospel that in any generation, uh, for 2,000 years now, in any generation, if you're missing the depths of the gospel message, I'm talking about your union with Christ, this permanent closeness that he has given us. If we're not talking about that, then we're inevitably going to be proclaiming some sort of hoops that we have to jump through and steps that we have to take to try to get cleaner and get closer. And there's always going to be a formula because that's what the flesh does. I mean, mm -hmm. human nature and even after you're saved, the fleshly religion that's out there says it's great that you're saved, but now get busy, get busy trying to earn what you already have. And so I think hmm. there's been many flavors 
flavors of legalism. Uh, it's changed a little bit over the decades, but we're still looking at this measuring uh, and self-improvement. It's almost like we believe Christianity is a sin management system instead of this vibrant, dynamic union with Christ mm. uh, where it's about relating, relating to him and trusting him. Uh, I posted this morning, mm. uh, you know, let, let the resurrection life of Christ in you be the only reason you behave. Um, and everything else will take care of itself. Otherwise, you're you're living for other people. You're living for what they might say, hmm. what the church people might say, what your family might say, what your reputation might be. We're living hmm. for some other motivation. What if we let the resurrection life of Christ in us be the reason we behave? Hmm. And I think that that touches on our identity in Christ, just as you're saying too, in our union, and but then also how we see ourselves in as made in God's image. And so, yeah, I, I, yeah don't know. It seems like I keep coming back to this: the identity in Christ, and we have such a, a misconception of who who we are made in His image as His creation. Also, the brokenness within us, and our hope, and our future, and just a lot of these things I think are off in a. In us, and then we, you know, we we don't have it. We can want desire to work for these things. It's like we have to, as you said, we have to work for a new identity. But it, we already have a new identity, and so why are we working yeah. for it? So we'd love just to hear kind of about our Christian identity. What what is important in that? And, and yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I think we're doing two things. Uh, we're we're watering down the world's identity, and then we're watering down our own identity, and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, we got to remember how, how we became sinners. I mean, I ask people as I travel and speak, uh, you know, how many sins does it take to become a sinner? And everybody raises one finger. It only takes one. But the truth is it takes zero uh, because you're born a sinner. Uh, so you don't do a sin to become a sinner. You're actually born a sinner. Now, how many acts of righteousness does it take to be righteous? And again, the answer is zero uh, because it's what Jesus did, not what we're doing. So I, I think we are watering down the condition of humanity. Um, and then likewise, we're watering down everything that Christ did for us at salvation. So what I'm trying to say hmm. is you are who you are by birth, not by what you do. Uh, so you're a sinner by birth and you're a saint by rebirth. Uh, your actions don't come into it until afterward. Uh, but you are who you are by birth, not by what you do. And so I think that really helps Christians. It not only helps us yeah. identify the problem, you know, as we're sinners in Adam, but later it helps us identify the solution that I've got a righteousness uh, that happened to me because of my new birth not because of the five things I did yesterday. I, I've got a righteousness that was freely given to me mm. at my new birth. And if we could say my identity comes from my birth, not my behavior, now we've really got something. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. The, the last line, our identity comes from our birth, not from our behavior. Yeah, and that's no, that's good. And um, would, just would love to, you know, in because in, uh, as we kind of transition and, Thinking through your new book here, there's a lot of Bible questions people people are asking, having. Um, you took the time to go through 101 of them, which is a lot of questions, and there's even more. 
Um, and so just to start, would love to hear what prompted this book for you. Why is this, uh, why, why now? Yeah, so I, I think basically the theme is that the gospel is way better than we think. And the answers to these questions are way better than we imagine. I mean, we're, it's, it's almost like we're, some of us, we're asking the wrong questions. We're, we're asking God constantly, am I okay? Am I still saved? Am I really forgiven? Is there any sin that I did that, that's an exception? Uh, did I ruin this thing, Lord? Have I messed this up? Have I gone too far? Do you still have room for me in your kingdom? Did your grace run out? Did the blood of Jesus get exhausted? You know, and I do radio every night, and we do podcasts with live questions every night, six nights, six days a week. Uh, and we're getting a pattern. I mean, there's a definite pattern from hundreds of thousands of listeners. And what they're saying is, um, am I okay? And they're asking it a hundred different ways, but they're basically not being taught in churches uh, enough about their okayness, about the forgiveness that they have, the righteousness that they have, the status that they have before God, that he's never going to leave them, that um, he's not going to divorce them. You know, they keep hearing things like God hates divorce. And, you know, I don't know, 40% of Christian marriages end in divorce. So everybody's got that sheepish, awful, dark feeling inside. Oh, no, I'm one of the 40%. God hates divorce. And yet we're still confused on whether God will divorce us. Uh, and so I think we got to get that figured out first. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Even when you're faithless, I remain faithful. Mm -hmm. Nothing separates you from the love of Christ. There's no condemnation. So if we can, if we can nail that down, then things like the peripheral issues like, oh, no, I've had a divorce and now I'm remarried. Am I still okay well, the answer is he'll never leave you. Uh, he'll never forsake you. So, hmm. um, you know, there's just a lot of foundational teaching that I think people are missing. So I wrote this book, 101 Bible Questions, yeah. to help with that. But there's something else. Uh, we have a, yeah. about six months ago, we launched a new site uh, called BibleQuestions.com. And at BibleQuestions.com, we actually programmed AI to uh, using all my books and all of our materials to give an immediate, in five seconds or less, give an answer to any question. It's way better than a Google search. It's way better than having to scroll through a hundred sites on Google. Um, it gives you an instant scriptural answer with references to any question you ask it at BibleQuestions.com. So we're really excited about that resource too. Hmm. No, that's awesome. I, I like the, the first point you mentioned, and I think it, it roots back to our, I mean, it's the God of covenant and the God that keeps his promises. And you can get into a lot of the, some, some, you know, different things on covenant theology and all that good stuff. But I think there's a lot of, yeah, I, I mean, we, we think in a natural sense so often in a fleshly sense of the promises that we desire, the expectations we desire. Um, and those often aren't fulfilled, right? In our relationships, they aren't fulfilled in the, the things that we put our trust and faith into. Um, and that can be sometimes, just as you're saying, the way that we, we put on for God, that this is, well, if, you, if this doesn't happen, then I don't know if you're trustworthy uh, or I don't know if, and so rooting ourselves back in God's word and, and understanding that these things is a God who won't forsake you and leave you is huge. 
Yeah, it's like, it's like, is God good? And is God going to hold out on me? And if you think about it, that was the original sin. I mean, they were believing that God was going to hold out on them. And also note that in the original sin, there was basically a choice of, I, I prefer morality and ethics, and I'm going to draw mm. a ring around myself and be Lord of this ring, and I'm going to seek the knowledge of good and evil. Right. So I, cho right. I choose morality and ethics over you, God, hmm. and I choose my own sort of religion, if you will, over you, God. And uh, we're still doing it today. Even as Christians, we can be tempted in that direction to just assume that, hey, you know what? As long as I'm doing a bunch of right stuff and I'm avoiding a bunch of wrong stuff, then that's the Christian life. I'm living a good hmm. Christian life if I do a bunch of good and avoid a bunch of evil. But we got to remember there was another tree in that garden, hmm. and that was the tree of life. And we're, we're actually designed to depend on Christ as our life, hmm. uh, not a sense of right and wrong. I mean, even an unbeliever has a sense of right and wrong. But what we have is mm -hmm. the presence of Jesus, and we bear the fruit of his spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole different, if I could explain it, it's like a whole different realm or a whole different perspective. You might call it a whole different tree uh, that we're living from. And it, it, it's 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 kind of like the religious world is hanging on to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's one guy hanging on to the good branch, and he's saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm on the good branch. I'm not over there on that evil branch. And right. God's saying, it's the wrong tree. It's the wrong tree, huh. man. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I think, you know, I've been hearing from you and is uh, perhaps you're encouraging is a lot of this kind of topic of deconstruction, right, or wrestling with our faith has been, I guess it's like a trendy thing now, I, but it's, you know, really understanding our faith, uh, understanding who God is, who we are in Christ, uh, the church, our, where our future is, all these things are really important. Um, and sometimes we can, you know, just assume or think, oh, this is just what it is for what it is. Um, right. But I, I do like the kind of the, the question and answer format you, you have and you provide some different some different background. I don't, you know, I think there's a lot of them. I don't fully agree with all, all the, you know, there's a lot of different takes on some of these, but it's good to at least get into, uh, ask these questions and then like investigate it. And I think that's an important part too. And so just, you know, why, why have you seen that to be important? Why is asking these faith questions important rather than just kind of nodding our head and, and going along kind of with what tradition has said? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in, in the two decades I've been serving as a pastor, I kind of see, um, you know, even this word deconstruction is not new for me. I, I remember it being around 15, 20 years ago. People right. are always asking, right. you know, back 20 years ago, it was, should we should we go from the formality of megachurch and fast music? Should we go back to traditionalism? Uh, should we go back to church pews? Should we have more stained glass? Should we have more... Um, you know, icons and images in church? Should we, you sure. know, should we gravitate back toward traditionalism now that we've gone, you know, quote, too far uh, to one side or whatever? And I, in a way, I just find all of that to be distracting, like fast music, slow music, who cares? What are we saying in the songs? Uh, stained glass, clear glass, who cares? When they're in the parking lot and the sermon is over, what did they hear? Uh, and so it's content that people walk away with, not style. Hmm. Who cares about the shape or size of the building or what you're sitting on, whether it's a chair or a pew or whether it's organ music or guitar music? Who cares? What matters is what people walk away with. 
And, you know, some surveys show that basically Christians can get really busy, uh, but they're still really miserable and they're not getting the answers they need. Uh, so that's why I wrote this book, 101 Bible Questions, and the surprising answers that you may not hear in church, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that it's the truth that sets us free. It's not our method of worship. It's not the, the shape or size or speed of our worship. It is the content of the gospel that sets us free. And there are too many Christians that think, well, I'm partially forgiven. I need to make sure mm-hmm. I confess them all. What if I forget one? What if I leave one out? Mm-hmm. What if I do the same sin over and over? What if God returns and I haven't fully repented of all of them? You know, uh, we get in this trap of imagining God with a clipboard up in the mm-hmm. sky, uh, keeping score. And Jesus the whole time is saying, it's finished. It's finished. The sin issue is over. I dealt with it. Uh, your sins are gone, remembered no more, removed as far as the east is from the west. Like, this is real. You really are forgiven. So there's a lot of issues like that where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we just need clarity and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just re- reflecting, and sometimes we can we can measure that si- some sins some sin is worth more, right, or is, is, is better or worse than another. And then it, yeah. I, I don't think God ever intended for that to be right. There's more. There's more consequences, perhaps, in some of right. our sins. But sin itself is all. Sin is sin, and everything yeah. is is. There's nothing new under the sun, and so, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think God's making that point, that same point that you just expressed in the people that He chose uh, to write the Bible. I mean, my goodness, the first five books were written by Moses, and he killed an Egyptian in rage. Right. Uh, David wrote the Psalms, and David put a guy on the front lines of his army uh, so that guy would die so that he could take that guy's wife. So that's not very nice. And then, um, right. you know, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, wrote more New Testament letters than anybody else, and he killed Christians. Yeah. So basically, yeah. a good majority of the Bible was written by murderers. Uh, that's what we would call them today, and they would probably be in jail. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good point. You know, God's yep. trying to tell us something here. I mean, we think our sins are so big, uh, and He's saying your sins are small, but your God is big, and I have qualified you. Don't be obsessed with the size of your sins, be obsessed with the size of your Savior. Mm. Uh, and by comparison, I mean, our sins are not a big deal compared to the ginormous uh, effectiveness of the cross and the resurrection and everything that Jesus did. Oh, my goodness. I mean, mm. we need to be obsessed not with our sins, but with our Savior. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. So, well, Andrew, you know, getting close to time here, so just would love for, if there's anything else you'd like to mention um, that you think, you know, pertains to this conversation or just to the to the book as well, uh, or yeah. just where to find you, would love for, you know, for you to share. Yeah, I mean, you can find more encouragement at our website at andrewfarley.org. Uh, that's andrewfarley.org. Uh, you can also remember, ask anything you want at any time, day or night, on biblequestions.com. Mm-hmm. Right there on the homepage, you type in any question, phrase it however you want. Uh, ask anything about the Bible or your or a personal struggle, and you'll get an answer in five seconds or less. It's pretty cool uh, technology we have at biblequestions.com. And the book, uh, 101 Bible Questions, is coming out uh, on October 17. Here's a little 
picture of the cover and it's coming out in in a couple of weeks so it's, it's really close uh we're excited about that and of course you can get that on amazon or wherever mm-hmm. books are sold awesome thank you and yeah uh, uh, that'll be available in october by the time this podcast is live uh, it'll be available perfect thank you thank you <laughs>